All right, thank you guys for having me again today. Um, I know um, the amazing thing about God is He can do a lot of things. I was just talking to Diana, my wife, about something, and like, I don't know how God's going to take care of this. It's like this thing normally takes a week, and we need it done in like 30 minutes. Like, like literally, and this thing actually is happening tomorrow. I was just talking to her about it on Friday. And I'm like, I don't know how it's possible. It's going to be a huge deal if this doesn't get done. And so she confidently says, Alan, he parted the Red Sea. I'm not super worried about it. I'm sure he can take care of, I'm sure he can take care of a time difference pretty easily. And I was like, I mean, she isn't wrong. <laughs> you know, he did do that and he can do this. So, you know, and just have a little bit, you know, more faith. And, you know, faith, faith is, is just easy enough to be like, I know God has my best interest in heart. And, you know, even if it's not the way I think it should be, I know it's going to be the best way. You know, and that's kind of the comfort in that. So, uh, praying for your guys' church. And, um, I have, um, I, a lot of times I don't want to do a lot of introduction. So I apologize for that. I, I, um, I typically am the type that I only have like, like one or, or two. You can go over the first Kings 18, like, like one or two at the max three pieces of paper whenever I'll preach for 45 minutes or an hour. Um, I have six today. And, and, and there's this, this, this idea that I, r- I really want to get through. Um, <clears throat> you know, I know your church has been going through these things. Um, you know, this is, is really just kind of coming from a point of, of prayer and, and asking the Lord what he'd have me to, to preach. And, and this is actually kind of a different style message than I've done before. Not that I've preached a whole lot, but, um, uh, anyway, I have a lot of stuff to go through, so I want to get right into it. Um, but I want to go over the story you go over to chapter, uh, first Kings and chapter, I actually go over chapter 19. And, and really, I, I want to talk about the story of Elijah here. Um, and Elijah's a, a really cool character in the Bible. I mean, it really is. I mean, you know, forget about everything else he did. At the end of the day, he went up to heaven in a whirlwind. That's pretty cool. Not a lot of people did that, you know? <laughs> I mean, there was Enoch and, 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 you know, he, he went up to heaven pretty miraculously. But, you know, the whirlwind, that's pretty cool. You know, and Elijah sitting there and like, you know, what happened, picked up his mantle or whatever. And, you know, just to give you kind of an idea and, and you can read at home and I recommend you do. It's a really, really cool story from first Kings 17 through second Kings two to, I don't know, two to three ish. Um, I've just been reading it this week. I should know right off the top of my head. Well, maybe it's more like three, four, uh, uh, two. Anyway, somewhere in like chapter two or three in second Kings, it ends and starts in first Kings 17. Um, but there's that whole, you know, story through Elijah's life and he lives through multiple Kings, um, Ahab and, and, um, the other guy, Jehoshaphat or whatever. Um, and most of it's with Ahab, most of, of what it has. And, you know, it starts out with God giving this prophecy that he needs to go tell Israel because of all the idolatry they'd gotten into and worshiping Baal. And there's King Ahab and Jezebel, the queen there, uh, reigning at that time. And they're allowing and, and really leading Israel astray, right? And just letting them worship Baal. And, um, and so the prophet comes, uh, you know, Elijah is this prophet from God and he comes and he's supposed to just, you know, right off the bat in the ministry, he's supposed to give the king and the queen really, really bad news, right? That there's going to be a drought for, for, you know, until they get right, really, right? It's, there's going to be this big drought, and um, and they weren't thrilled about it, and they they end up, you know, killing all these prophets. Um, the the king and queen did because they're mad at Elijah, um, and uh, and and but it doesn't go into that right away. It's talked about that a little bit later. But um, Elijah, you know, right after he's done preaching to Ahab um, about what God said about the drought coming, then he he gets uh, provided for. 
miraculously drinks out of the brook. Um, the ravens feed him until the brook dries up. And, and that's just, that's just one of those things, kind of like what we're talking about. It's kind of how the Lord works. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to provide for you and, and I'm going to give you the brook to drink water and, and I'm going to feed you with ravens. And the brook dries up. And, and, and that's, that's when a person's mind's like, oh, here we go. I thought God had me, but he doesn't. You know, he, he had, he was, he was giving, let me drink from the brook, but now the brook's dried up. Now what? You know, well, the Lord comes to him again. And he says, like, that was my plan for now, but the next thing is go over here. You know, like that, you're, that was my plan for you. You were doing what I was doing and it might look like you were doing something wrong, but you weren't. It's just, I'm done doing that. Now I want you to go over here. Right. Cause it's people, people get like, I'm supposed to be in this one place forever. God, God doesn't, you know, usually work like that. It seems like. Right. You know, he sent him, he sent him to the brook and he fed him by ravens and that pleased God to, to sustain him that way. But he wanted to do something else now, you know, and, uh, and next, you know, Elijah goes and, and, um, and, and he goes with the, the widow and, and her son and, uh, and, you know, she's not super thrilled about him coming in the first place, but, um, you know, the Lord, the Lord speaks to the widow and, and she ends up doing what the Lord says and they feed him kind of like the loaves and the flushes, multiply all the food and they eat for forever. Um, and then the, the son ends up dying and he revives the son and, um, you know, gets done with that and goes over and there's all these false gods and he kind of, you know, challenges their false idols and, you know, God shows himself in that, that scenario, throwing the fire down from heaven. We'll kind of get into some of this a little bit more, but just to kind of give you the idea and, and then there, then he runs away. He gets, he gets, you know, all disappointed or whatever. Um, after all the prophets died, the queen got super mad at him, wanted to kill him. So he ran away and, and was, you know, basically like, how's God going to fix this? And, um, even though all that stuff had already happened, um, you know, how's God going to fix this? And then God speaks to him with a small, still voice. Uh, you know, he ends up confronting King Ahab later and, and Ahab ended up repenting. Uh, it doesn't necessarily say Jezebel did, but Ahab definitely did, which he goes back on later. But, um, but then the kind of the next time is Elijah and Elijah get, get up together and, you know, there's that whole thing for a while. And then Elijah gets caught up in a whirlwind, Elijah takes the mantle and then it goes on with the story of Elisha and not Elijah. Right. Um, anyway, it's, it's a cool story. Um, but after all, all that's happened in, in Elijah's life and, and God, God did all this stuff in first Kings 19 verses four and five, he gets to this point, um, after the, the whole prophet scenario there, um, which we'll get into a little bit more later. And he says, but he himself, went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life for I'm not better than my father's. And as he lay there and slept under the juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him, said unto him, arise and eat. Um, you know, here's, here's a Elijah after all this point. And, you know, in our minds, we, we would probably be like, wow, Elijah was like, he, he was one of the cooler prophets for sure. You know, he did a lot. He, he, he ended, you know, see a lot of these prophets, they didn't really end that the best, you know, um, uh, King Solomon, you know, it's probably cool to do, but he didn't really end the best way. Right. And, and so not all of them got to end that way. Elijah ended like the best way ever, <laughs> you know, and, and by the way, you know, we're living in the last days. Some of us might have an opportunity to end kind of like that. If the Lord comes back, you know, um, not if he comes back, if he comes back soon enough, he's going to come back. Um, I didn't, I didn't mean to say it like that. He is going to come back. It's just a matter of when. Um, so when he comes back, we're going to have an opportunity to go out pretty cool also. Um, so we could even probably draw some conclusions to ourselves with the story of Elijah there. But, 
Um, you know, Elijah had this, his, this great life and he was a, he was a great prophet, but he got to this point where he just says, uh, you know, sits under a juniper tree and, and requests that, that he could just die. You know, he's like, they're coming to, they're coming to kill me. It's all over now. I did what I could, you know, just, just, it, it just be over. Um, and, uh, I, I want to, I want to try and get across the idea that, uh, life is hard sometimes. Um, but, and, and I want to do some qualifying statements that, um, just to kind of tee up this thing and, and make sure that everyone's kind of understand what's going through my mind. But we understand that life definitely is hard because of the world, the flesh and the devil, right? Um, Ephesians 2, 2 says, wherein in time past, you should walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Colossians 2, Colossians 2, 8 says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. You know, the, 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 the world is, is a place that, that, that will just, the rudiments of this world and not after Christ will just spoil a Christian. Um, uh, and, and it will create problems for you. The flesh and sin, Galatians 5.17 says the flesh lust is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these, uh, are contrary one to the other that you cannot do the things that you would. Um, you know, that's the flesh. It creates problems in our life. The devil, first Peter 5.17, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So yeah, life is hard and, and life is definitely hard because of those things. Um, but one, one thing I want to point out is, is, um, that life gets hard because of sin. That's true. But life gets hard because of service too, sometimes. Um, and so, and, 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 and stay with me. This isn't the whole message, but I want to get this idea across so that it can help with the other idea. Um, so, so stay with me now. This is introduction, if you will. Um, but, um, uh, life will get hard because of sin and service. Life gets hard because of sin. Um, uh, just because, you know, sin, sin's been hard ever since the beginning. I mean, as soon as it was introduced to the world in Genesis three, um, you had Adam and Eve there and, and Eve takes the fruit cause she was beguiled of the serpent and, and, and then he takes it too. Um, and, and sin enters in the world and for, you know, for by one man sin entered the world. How does that verse go? Someone help me out for by one man sin entered in the world and death by sin. That's right. And, and so, and death comes and death comes right then. Right from the beginning. I mean, it's it's bad from from the very beginning. Sin sin started making people's life hard right from the start. It's never it never was a good thing. You know, some things started out good and then they became bad. Right? Oh, this was a good organization, but then they kind of got corrupted over time. Sin was always bad. It's never been good. Um, sin's always been deceitful. Genesis three one says, "Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made." And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every fruit of the tree? He's questioning the words of God from the very beginning. You know, sin, sin will always, always be deceitful. It'll always make you doubt. It'll always make you question the word of God and what God said. Um, and that's wrong, right? Um, so, so life, life is hard because of sin. Life is hard because sin's deceitful because sin, it's always been hard. Um, sin produces your problems today. Um, you know, the Bible says, and we've read some of these, if you're here for Sunday school, I'm sorry. Um, but the Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. The, the issues of life are, are from you not keeping your heart with all diligence. Um, Proverbs 5.2 says his own iniquities shall take the wicked himself and he shall be holden. He should be holden with the cords of his sin. 
you know, sin, sin produces you, sin, sin holds you. The cords of the sin will hold a Christian and stop him from doing the right things, um, walking after the spirit and, and, and it, it will create the issues of life. Sin's a problem. Okay. And sin makes life hard. Um, and, and sin ultimately, it's not only hard, it's not only, it's always been hard, it's deceitful, but at the end of the day, it just produces death. Um, James 1.15 says, then when lust hath been conceived, it bringeth forth, I think this is the verse you were talking about, brother Dan, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Ultimately, you know, sin is, is hard because of a lot of reasons and it, it's manifested in your life for a lot of reasons, but ultimately, and, and every time for all those reasons, it comes to this point of just death. It's just, it's just death. Um, the Bible says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The, the thing that I've always thought with that verse is it says the wages of sin, when you, the wages of sin, when is death, when you go to work, um, you, you get wages, right? You, you, you've gotten earnings. You've earned something for the, the work you did. The, the sin you did, all that will ever earn you, the wages of sin is death. It's only earning you death. <laughs> you don't get, you will not earn anything else ever from sin, but death. That is, that's what it produces. That's what you, you, um, it, it goes like this. You, you deserve death because of sin, right? Just like, you know, when I go to work, I think I deserve a paycheck. And, and, and sure, a, a workman is, is worthy of his hire. Yeah, you, you deserve a paycheck, but, but if you sin, you deserve death. And, 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 you know, praise the Lord that he has so much mercy that he sent his only son, his only begotten son, um, that he would die for our sins and he, and he could take it away, right? Um, Jesus Christ is faithful and, and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, but, but you deserve death, right? That is certainly what you deserve and that is what it produces. Um, uh, we shouldn't forget that we, we have that advocate with the father, right? Um, Jesus saith un, um, unto him, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no man shall come unto me. Um, uh, no, no man cometh unto the father, but by me, right? Um, if, if, uh, you know, if there's anyone here that's lost today and you don't know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die, sin, sin is a huge problem. It really is. Sin is going to produce death. It, it will only produce death. And it's, and it's, and if you don't think that it's because it's deceitful, <laughs> but but Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man shall come to the Father but by him. If you want to get around that sin problem, you're going to have to go through Jesus Christ about it. Um, and so so we know life is, life is hard because of sin and, and the world and the flesh and the devil. We don't know that. But sometimes life is also just hard because of service, too. Um, uh, there's this, this um, you know, sacrifice that, that we're supposed to be doing in service. We read it earlier. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Um, life, life gets hard because, um, because your service begs for, for sacrifice. Your, uh, um, to, to be in, in service to God, it takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice of your own life, your own will, um, uh, your own desires and things that you want to do. You have to sacrifice those things, and that makes life hard sometimes. Now, it's a better kind of hard than the hard that comes from sin, and I'll qualify that that later, but um, just so we're kind of understanding something here. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we know from Second Corinthians that our, our um, weapons of warfare is not carnal, but mighty through God by the pulling down of strongholds. Um, and that whole thing, right? There's a, there's a spiritual warfare that's going on when you try to do the right things and, and you have this desire to please God with your life. And I hope you do. Um, and, and I hope I did more, right? And I hope you did more. <laughs> and you have this, you have this, this desire to please God. There's going to be this spiritual warfare that's happening. And, and, and you can't, you can't fight, fight it physically, right? You have to fight it spiritually. Um, and it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's, 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 just, it's hard, you know, um, you know, you go through the day <clears throat> sometimes and, and you're just, you're just, you feel like you're battling with yourself and your mind and what you want to do and what you should do. And it's, it's hard. It makes, it makes life hard sometimes. Um, there's trials. I wrote trails on my paper. My wife pointed that out to me this morning. Um, so there's, th- which is kind of, there's trails that you go through in life, but there's trials, there's trials in those trails. Um, first Peter four twelve says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some shall be revealed that you may be glad, um, also with exceeding joy. Um, it, or sorry, I skipped a whole verse. Um, I'll start over first Peter four twelve and 13, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened unto you. There it is. Don't, don't think it's strange when there's a trial, like it's just some weird thing that's happening that shouldn't be happening, but rejoice in so much as you are partakers in Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. We should be thankful when we, when we get to go through some of those trials because of everything that the Lord did for us. Romans 5, 3 and 4 says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. Um, it's, it's, uh, ultimately it's growing pains. You know, the, the life that is hard because of service is just cause, um, God doesn't want us to be babies forever. Right. Right. He doesn't want us to be babies forever. He wants to be what we were talking about in Sunday school. He wants us to be strong Christians that are wanting to do something for God and get something done, especially in this culture that we're in today in the last days. Um, you guys know in, in revelation, um, and, and I'm going to read this to you and, and, and just so we can really have it in our minds. When I say the last days, this is what I'm talking about. Revelation three verses 14 through 17. And like unto this angel of the church and, um, church of the Laodiceans write these sayings saith the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works that thou art neither hot nor cold. I would, I would that thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. It makes God sick if you're not hot or cold. He wants you to either just make a decision, right? Um, because thou sayest, I am rich and I am increased with goods and I am in need of nothing. Well, that's definitely where we're living today. We're just, we're just rich and increased with goods. We're in need of nothing, or so we think. And, and the contrary is that we're actually in need of everything from God. Um, and knoweth not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That's, that's where we're at. We don't think we are. We think we're good. We're not good. <laughs> we, we need God. Um, and, and God wants us to understand that. He wants us to not just get complacent with our life and think, think we're, we're good. Um, the Bible says in Hebrews five twelve, for when, for when, uh, for the time ye art, ought to be teachers, ye have not need that one teach you again. 
which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as one in need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. You know, there's a there's a culture, there, there's there's this one culture that's the world, and that's just just pure wickedness, and it's so easy to see, right? But there's another culture in Christianity, even. Um, and I was just talking to someone last week that was that was telling me this about how they're they're trying to. Um, you know, God, God's desire for us is to grow. He, he, and there's verses that I could have probably wrote down, but, but he desire us not to just live off milk forever, but he wants to give us the meat of the word and to grow and to, to learn and, 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 and doctrine and all these things. And, and he wants us to grow and not just stay babies forever. And, and there's this culture in Christianity where they, they don't want to talk about anything heavy. You know, they, they want to talk about the, the grace of the gospel, you know, the, the, um, the gospel, the grace of God. And, and, and Jesus Christ. And that's good. We should talk about that. I'm, I'm, I'm more thankful than you can know about that. I really am. And I love to talk about it, but, but I don't want to, while I'm doing my Bible study, while I'm putting this sermon together, be like, how can I make this how Jesus died for our sins? You know what I mean? And try and just apply that idea only to where that's the only idea I have ever understood and put it into every verse in my Bible. That that's not what God doesn't desire that for us. He wants us to grow up, right? Right. So, so grow up. <laughs> um, and, um, um, but, but our, our life will definitely get hard because of the world, the flesh and the devil. It's hard because of sin. Um, life will get hard because of thankfulness or, uh, sorry, <laughs> life will get hard because of uh service. Um, and so, um, and so the, the question you're probably asking, well, that pretty much covers everything. Is life ever easy? No, sorry. <laughs> life pretty much is just hard, you know? And, um, I, I honestly, this, 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 uh, this preaching is actually supposed to be an encouragement to you. So stay with me. Um, but life, 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 uh, if, if you don't mind, I say life kind of, kind of just sucks, you know? And, um, and if an easy life is what you're looking for, a Christian life probably isn't what, what's for you. I mean, you're more than welcome. You can stand up right now. And if, if you're just looking for the easy life and you're just here to get along, that's not what we're talking about that. And that's not what, that's not what God wants Christians to be thinking today. Anyway, life is hard. But the question is, and this is the question that we want to think about while I'm going through kind of the rest of this, is is when life gets hard, and it will, <laughs> or it probably, I'll bet I'm speaking to a group of people right now who last week you thought at least one time. I know for me, I probably thought a hundred times, man, life is hard. <laughs> wow, life is so hard. I'm, I'm imagining that most of you probably thought that a hundred times last week too. Life is just, it gets really, really hard. How am I going to do this? How am I going to pay that? How am I going to do? I don't know. Whatever's going on in your life, life just is probably as hard. But what are you going to do with it? How are you going to handle it? How are you going to mentally handle it when life gets hard? Are you going to give it to God? Are you going to just try and deal with things yourself? Um, that's, that's the question that we should ask. If we know life is hard, whether we're doing right or doing wrong anyway, then, then we should stop thinking or trying to figure out a way to make life easy, but just figure out how to deal with life when it, when it is hard. And it's always going to be hard. Um, so I just want to give you a few points today, um, about things that life is especially harder without. Is that okay? Is that okay to say? <laughs> I know I, this isn't a real deep thing. Um, I don't think real deep most of the time anyway. Um, I'm just going to go through and I'm going to talk about here's some things that life is just, it's going to be, Life's going to be hard, but it's going to be harder without this. Okay. Um, if we can turn back in first Kings, 
um, one chapter, and let's reiterate. So I'm I'm talking about the story of Elijah here. So that was the introduction. Now we're back in the Bible, okay? Are you with me? (laughs) Okay, we were just talking. Now we're in the Bible, and we want to look at some things here, and I want to draw some some conclusions out of Elijah's life here that, that I think could help us with applying some things to our life that would, life would be so much harder if we didn't have these things, okay? Um, but in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 4, we saw Elijah after all these things, and he gets to the point, he's under this juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. You know, life got hard at that point for Elijah, and, and he didn't start to deal with it right. And I wonder, I wonder if he remembered in 1 Kings 17, um, verse 1, how the Lord... Um, was speaking to him. It says, and Elijah, the um, Tishabite, was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain for years, but according to my word. He was standing in the word of the Lord right there. The Lord was speaking to him and um, and and working through him. In 1 Kings 17, verses 2 through 6, the Bible says, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook um, that is in Jordan, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook that I've commanded, and the ravens shall feed thee there. Um, he must have forgot that during that drought that he preached to Israel, God provided him and gave him a brook to drink out of, and ravens fed him. I know we kind of talked about this earlier, but you know what would really help Elijah back here in 19 verse 4? What would really help him if he remembered what God had already done? And just be thankful for that. Um, the things that God already did. I, I went through and I tried to read everything preceding Elijah's life up to this point. And God did a, quite a bit of things for Elijah. He he provided for him during the drought with the ravens and the brook. Um, and there is a point that the brook dried up, uh, which is just in verse 7. So 17, verse 7, and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. There's a drought. I mean, where are you going to get water from, right? Um and, uh, and so the brook dried up and, and at that time, I'm sure it could have seemed like to Elijah that God wasn't, wasn't there anymore. That God did help him, but now he's not helping him. Um, and, and I, I would be willing to bet that a lot of people get to that point in their life where they are in a situation and, and they were having a hard time thinking about what God had done for them, but then God starts providing and they kind of like relax for a minute. And then when it stops happening, they get tense back up. Right? Don't, don't get like that. If, if life, life would be so much easier for us if we just stayed, stayed thankful for, for what God did for us. I mean, we know pretty much at any given time we don't deserve what we have right now. <laughs> right? And, and if, especially when we look back at what he did. If Elijah sitting back there in that juniper tree had thought about how in, in 1 Kings chapter 17 verses 7 through 9, um, after the brook dried up, verse 8, and the word of the Lord came unto him saying, arise, get thee to, um, Zareph, which belongeth to Zedon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So now he's given him some direction. The brook dried up and he gave him some more direction. He should be thankful for that, right? And, um, and then the brook dried up in verses 14 through 15, uh, in chapter 17, verse 14 and 15. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the course of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the, uh, according to the saying of Elijah, and she and her and her house did eat many days. There God, again, you know, first he gave Elijah direction to go to the widow. He talked to the widow. He gave him wisdom talking to the widow. The widow did according to the word of the Lord, and now they've been provided again during the drought. 
Um, and not just for him only, but also the people around him, right? I mean, um, he should be th- so thankful. The Lord's not even been working in his life before he was sitting under the juniper f- tree feeling so bad for himself. Um, but he was even, God was helping him so much, it was affecting the people around him, right? The widowed woman and her son. Um, and uh, And then again, just like when the brook dried up, it seemed like the Lord was was failing again, right? And this is this is just this is just how life goes. See, we're we're here in in First Kings nineteen four, and 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 Elijah's in the juniper tree, and he's feeling bad for himself. I mean, this is the point that we really really need, you know, when when we really think, man, my life is so 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 hard. Is is that point in the juniper tree in your life, right? And when we're looking back at the things that he should be thankful about that would help him get through that point in the juniper tree, um, there, there were, we can see points where it seemed like God wasn't going to do something, but he did, right? Cause that's just the way God works with the brook that dried up and then he provided again. And then again in first, uh, King 17 and where's it? So I'll talk about, um, 17, 20, maybe. Uh, 17. Oh yeah, here we go. Uh, first Kings 17, 17. And it came to pass after these things, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house fell sick and his sickness was sore and there was no breath left in him. So here they're, they're getting fed and, and this widowed woman, uh, her son dies, right? There's no breath in him. And Elijah in verses 20 says, and he cried unto the Lord and said, Oh my, Oh Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil to the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? I mean, you know, he's asking like, like, it seemed like you were doing something, but now you just, you slayed her son, right? <laughs> Blaming it on God. Um, well, you know, God's, God's better than that and had a plan. Verses 23 through 24. And Elijah took the child, brought him down out of the chamber, um, into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, see, see the son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that thou art the man of God and that the word of the Lord is in that mouth is truth, right? And so now God God gets some glory out of that, which is what he wants. He wants it from you. He wants it from me. He wants glory. Um, and uh, and then, so all that happens, God could have been thankful for. Um, the word of the Lord came to him again in chapter eight, 18, verse 1, and tells him, you know, go to... Uh, Go to Ahab and, and tell him that I'm going to send rain upon the earth. And he starts going. Uh, he runs into o- Obadiah in 1 Kings 18, 7 to 8. And Obadiah was in the way. Be- behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him and fell on his face and said, Art thou my Lord Elijah? And he answered and said, I am. Go tell thy Lord, which is Ahab. Behold, Elijah is here. And and this Obadiah guy says earlier that, that he um, feared the Lord and he tells him to go tell, go tell Ahab that I'm going to send rain. Well, well, Ahab and, uh, Je- uh, what, what's her name? Jezebel? What? Jezebel. Yeah, Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel, they were not a fan of Elijah, right? Cause he had, he as far as they were concerned, he, he per- was the reason for the drought, right? So they were not a fan, a fan of Elijah. And Obiah was like, you want me to go tell him that you're here and I didn't kill you? Like, like they're not going to be happy with me at all. And he says, don't worry, I'll go with you. You know, basically. And so he gives him wisdom. Another thing he could have been thankful for is he, God, the Lord gave Elijah wisdom through that whole conversation, you know. Um, and, uh, and Obiah ended up doing that. God gave Elijah boldness in verses 17 through 18. Um, and this is, this is where the story really gets good. I mean, it was good when it just comes like Bible reading. This is like where it's like, wow, this is getting real exciting. Um, 
But chapter 18, verse 17 and 18, the Bible says, And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house. And in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. And so, you know, they were like, aren't you the guy that made this drought? And he's like, no, 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 you guys are the ones that made the drought. You know, you're the problem, and the drought came because of you. And um, in verse 21, and this is a, a great thing to remember, and Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long wilt thou halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him, but if fail, then follow him, right? And 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 he ends up, um, you know, God gives him boldness through through all this, and he ends up telling him, "Hey, how about we do this? We'll 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 have a little showdown here. You guys make an altar, and you guys call your gods and see if he'll send fire down, and I'll make an altar, and we'll see if God will send fire down. And whoever's God sends fire down, let him be God." And they all said that was it was well spoken. Let's do that. Like that sounds great. And they they prayed to their gods for hours and hours, and ended up cutting themselves and doing all these crazy things, trying to get God to send down fire, and he never did, right? Elijah starts making fun of them, and, and he's like, oh, maybe your gods are just asleep. I don't know. Maybe maybe he went on a long journey, and then he's just not home or something. No, maybe he can't hear you, you know? And he starts, like, saying stuff like that. You should read it for yourself. It's a pretty good story. Um, and uh, and then God, and then Elijah says, you know what? I have so much confidence in God. Dump, dump a couple barrels of water in that. Do it again. Do it again. Do it a fourth time, a fifth time, right? And he dumps all these barrels, and they made a moat around the altar. So all the water, there's so much water that got dumped on that dry wood, wasn't dry anymore, that it filled up a moat of water around the whole altar. And there was rocks there and wood and all that that water. And um, and Elijah asked him to, to send the fire down um, in chapter 18, verses 21 and 24, that's when he's talking about it. 32 and 34. Yeah, and he put the, and he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid the wood and said, fill four barrels of water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice on the wood. And he said, do it the second time and do it the, uh, and they did it the second time. He said, do it the third time and they did it the third time. And the water ran down about the altar and filled the trench also with water. And in verse, um, 38, the Bible says, then the, fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up all the water out of the trance. That's how much fire came down. I mean, Elijah, if you remember, he's sitting here under a juniper tree feeling bad for himself. He forgot the Lord did that. It was like he completely forgot about it, right? Or or didn't think or thought, oh, he did that, but he's not going to do this. No, he did that and he will do this. That's the perspective that you need to have. Being being thankful will, will help you. Life will get so much harder um, it'll just be, you're, you're going to make it harder than it needs to be. If you, if you can't just think about and remember the things that God did for you and, and, and just apply that to the situation you're in. Uh, and then finally in verse or chapter 18 verses 41 through 46, um, uh, he ends up sending the rain. Verse 41 says, and Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink for there is a sound of an abundance of rain. And it goes through that whole thing. And uh, they end up sending the rain. Jezebel gets mad because he killed all 400 of their prophets. Um, our pastor says sometimes, I'm sure this is from something, but that was the first non-profit organization. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that. <laughs> There's all these prophets that just got slain. Um, and, um, and, and she's not happy with him. So this is what causes him to go out and run, hide, and he ends up under this juniper tree. But he had forgot about all those things. I, I said earlier, and it was just a couple of days ago, that I was telling Diana how... You know, I, I didn't know how this thing's going to work out and whatever. And she's just like, think about what God can do. Like, we can take care of it. You know, that's the right attitude. <laughs> that is definitely the right attitude. Just be confident in God. Look, 
It's so easy to be confident in God. All you have to do is think about what he's done. And I'm not talking about what he did for Elijah here. I'm talking about, think about what he did for you. That should make you plenty confident enough, right? Um, if, if I know anything about God, and I certainly know what he did for me, I'm sure he did plenty for you where you could say, well, he was able to do that. I'm sure he could take care of this for me. Um, it's, it's just, it's so much easier to have faith. That's really the only way to have faith is, is just, is just remembering, remembering what he did. Um, the Bible says in first Thessalonians five eighteen, and everything give thanks for this is a will of God in Christ concerning you. It not only should you be thankful, but it's actually, we talked about the will of God. You, you want to be in the will of God, be thankful. Um, the Bible says in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you <laughs> be thankful. So not only is it going to help you, but you're actually supposed to do it anyway, <laughs> just by the way, <laughs> you know, so it's like life is really hard and you're the one making it harder. Um, and it's going to be hard, but, but you, you, you can do things to make it harder. Um, okay. I'm, I'm working really hard to get through some of this stuff. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm, I'm trying to talk fast. And I'm hoping you guys can and can listen fast. That's another thing our pastor says. First, First uh, Kings 19 verses five through ten. Um, if we can read that real quick, this is the verse we're in. We were talking about, and I, I went back in First Kings to illustrate where he was at in that juniper tree and being thankful. But he's in this juniper tree, and verse um, verse five says, "And he lay and slept under a juniper tree. Behold, there an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat." And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a course of water on his head. And he did eat and drink, and then he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for me, for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat for 40 days and 40 nights unto um, her of the Mount of God. And um, one thing I want to point out is, is, um, if you want life to be just a little bit easier, if you don't want it to be as hard, life won't be as hard if, if you would just make a decision. Um, you know, didn't he tell, didn't he tell Israel back there, uh, in 18 verse 21, Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long wilt thou halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God and follow him and if failed and follow him. Um, I think he might've forgot that when the Lord came and touched him and he, he stood up and saw that there was stuff baking and whatever, and he laid back down. You know, he got up, he just, he just laid back down. It was, it was like he forgot what he already said. He was, you know, he knew he should be get up, but he wanted to, he wanted to, he wanted to feel bad for himself. He, he could see that God at that point, he didn't have to be thankful for what God had already done. He could see God was doing something. There was, there was a cake baking and, and water there. God was doing something to him. God had spoke to him and said, what are you doing here? Right. And he got up and, but he still wanted to feel bad for himself. He lay back down. Right. That's make a decision. Are you going to, you going to follow God or not? I mean, uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 14, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. Not the Lord's ways should be filled with his own ways. And a good man shall be satisfied from himself. Um, a backslider in heart will do that. You know what a backslider is? It's, it's just someone who's resisting the will of God in their life. Um, it's not someone who stopped coming to church for you know, two weeks and then came and then didn't for four. That's not a backslider. A backslider is someone who's resisting. I mean, they could be a backslider, but you could sit here right here today, right now, and be a backslider in, in heart, right? You're resisting God's will in your life. You're resisting what he wants you to do. Make a decision. It'll, it, it'll actually help you make a decision. Um, and, uh, you know, that verse in Joshua where it says, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, you know? If that, that's a, that's a good thing to take note of. Just, just, um, just change, just make a decision. James one verses six and eight says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering 
For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Don't be that lukewarm Christian that we talked about earlier and just be, just be double-minded and, and unstable. Make a decision. Who are you going to serve? You're going to serve God or yourself. If you're going to serve yourself, that, that's perfectly fine. But if you're in here, you're wasting your time. And if, if you're in here trying to serve God and you're, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're wasting your time. Just do one or the other. <laughs> don't, don't do this in between thing. It's just going to make your life harder. You're, you know, it's, it, it, life is hard, but it's going to be a whole lot harder if you don't make a decision, you know, make a decision. And, um, life is going to be harder without God's hand in your life. And, and that, uh, in this place we're in, in the Bible here, first Kings 19, it says here in uh, verses seven and eight, and the angel of the Lord came second time and touched him and he rose and ate, um, because the journey was too great for thee, And he did arise and, and ate and drank and the strength of that meat lasted him 40 days and 40 nights. Um, you guys have probably heard this illustration before, but sin, sin will always, every time, every time it will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than when you want, you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. Um, but can I say this? God, God can take you further than you can go, right? He, he, he can, he can do all those same things, but in a good way, (laughs) right? That, that's what God can do. Um, and, uh, he can take you there. Someone said he can take you places you never even dreamed of going or never thought it was even possible to get there. That's the places God can take you. Um, but to get there, you're going to have to have God's hand in your life. Um, and, um, you need God's hand in your life, but can I just say this in, in John 15, five, it says, I'm the vine near the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, but without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. And that was, um, I, I told you, I've only been saved for like five years. And the first time I read that verse, I'd never read my Bible before I was 21, which was like five years ago. <laughs> um, and uh, that was the first time I read my Bible. When I came across that verse for the first time, maybe I heard a preacher mention it. It was like, nothing? Like, nothing? Yeah. I mean, I'm standing here, aren't I? You know? And that that's your reaction to it. Like, without you, I can do nothing. I'll, I'll tell you, the longer I've been saved, especially if I'm, if I'm putting any care into just wanting to please God, it's coming, becoming way more apparent to me. Like, man, he's right. I can't do anything right. I can't do anything without him. Um, it's, it's just more and more true. It seems like, um, and life is, life is hard, but life is hard. We need God's hand in our life. And, and if we want his hand in our life, we're going to have to go by his spirit. Um, the Bible says in Galatians 5, 16, this, I say, then, uh, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I know this keep com- keeps coming up. Maybe you should try it then. <laughs> I've mentioned it like five times. Just walk in the spirit, go in his spirit. Um, Zechariah four, six says, then he answered and spake unto me saying the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You, you have to go in, in his spirit, not by your own strength, um, not by your own power, but not by your own spirit, but by his spirit. That's how you have to go. Um, if you want God's hand in your life and you do, I mean, it, I mean, maybe you like life being hard. I don't, um, maybe you're, you're weird that way, but I, I don't like life being hard. I want it to just be a little bit easier if it can. Um, I don't need it to be easy. If, if you want that. You gotta go in his spirit. You gotta have his hand in your life. Um, and, and, you know, we understand God's ways are just, they're better than our ways. 
and we we, we want to do is the thing that I think is is really important is understanding that he he deserves he he deserves it. Psalms nineteen two says, "Give the give unto the Lord the glory due, the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness." Um, our youth pastor at church, uh, Joel Gaines, said something the other day, uh, maybe a few weeks ago, that that I heard put like this before, and and I thought it was it was really profound. He he was uh, I think he was leading songs and just kind of mentioned it like offhand while he was leading songs, but he said. The, the funny thing, the, I, I don't remember exactly how I said it, so I'm, I'm just going to say how I understood it. But he, he mentioned how um, the Lord, you know, when someone gives you a compliment, if, if someone, and, and someone did after this, said, oh, you did a really good job teaching Sunday school. You know, my reaction was like, oh, I didn't think it was that good. You know what I mean? I don't deserve it. You understand that? I don't deserve any glory. It, 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 it's embarrassing to get a compliment, Right. And some people can take it better than others, but in general, you know, we're like, oh, oh don't compliment me. I, I don't, I don't really deserve it. And you don't, <laughs> right? But the Lord, the Lord is going to get glory from his people in eternity forever. And he deserves it. And he can take it every bit of it. Isn't that amazing to think about? As embarrassed as you get when someone compliments you and the Lord doesn't get embarrassed at all. He, it's due unto his name. He deserves, he deserves you to give him glory. And he can take every bit of it from everybody forever. That's how much he can take it. And you can't take one compliment. That's the difference between you and God, by the way. He, he, he deserves glory. Um, you know, and, and, um, and you want to give him glory. You want his hand in your, in your life. Um, and the Lord is just so good. Um, and, uh, it, life is going to get a lot harder if you don't hear from God either. Um, we're, um, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm trying to get through this. I, I really want to get this point across to you. Life, life is hard. Life is going to be a lot harder if you don't hear from God. First Kings 19, uh, verses 11. And you guys, I'm sure know this story. Uh, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the end was the earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire was a small, still voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? Um, if, if you want life to just be a little bit easier, you're going to have to hear from God in your life. You're going to have to, you're going to have to stay, you're going to have to stay, uh, close enough to hear him. Um, and to do that, you're going to have to be reading your Bible. Um, I'll give you a personal testimony for me. Um, when, when I first got saved, it was maybe a year, almost about two years later. Um, I had my first opportunity ever to preach and it was, or second, I guess I preached at a New Year's Eve thing. And then it was that like two weeks later that I preached at uh, South Fork prison camp, which is west of here or where, where are we at right now? Washington. So southwest, I don't know, towards the beach. I was thinking we were in Hillsboro. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, South Fork Prison Pans, and then I ended up preaching to church down in Grants Pass all right in a row for whatever reason. But um, the um, I was I was at this 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 prison camp, and it was funny. It was the first time I'd been there. I actually now that I remember, I didn't preach. So I went there, and for some reason, my background check hadn't went through all the way or whatever, and they couldn't get me in. Well, this place is in the middle of nowhere, right? And you had no cell phone service. Um, and I, I had rode up with another guy, so I was in his car. I had, uh, I didn't have a notebook. I didn't have a pen. I literally had my Bible, and that's all I brought with me. 
I had a phone that was that didn't have any service. It was useless, and, and my Bible, and that's it. And they had their service for a little over two hours, and I was stuck. I couldn't even go inside the gate, so I'm stuck in somebody else's car, you know, which is a little awkward, right? Sitting in somebody else's car with my Bible, and that's all I had. And before that, I grew up in, in this cult that was like kind of charismatic, and the way they thought you heard from God was, you know, all these different ways. It wasn't biblical, and, you know, I'd, I'd been to church now, and I'd heard people say, like, oh, I was reading my Bible, and the Lord spoke to me, and... You know, my attitude towards it was kind of like, yeah, right. You know, like, yeah, you, what did you hear him say? You know, hey, hey, Alan, how are you? Like, I just, I didn't believe it. I just didn't. I'm going to be honest with you. This was like, this was like three years ago. I didn't believe it. Um, uh, and maybe not even three years ago. And, and I was there and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this thing. People say that they, they read the Bible and, and you'll speak to them. So you know what, God? Like, I'm going to try you. I got two hours of nothing else to do. It's you and me. Let's, let's see if you'll talk to me. You know? And, and I, I kind of challenged God in a way, really. And, and I, I prayed and I, I read the Bible and it was like, I, I put these line pages in, in, in my Bible. So, but it was like literally reading blank pages. Like, like what is this? There's no words here. And, and I, I, I started reading. Now I got to find my place again. I was reading and, um, uh, reading and reading and, and, it w- and I would turn from here and I'd read this book and I, I'd re- I read for, an hour and 40 minutes. I mean, that's all I was doing. I was reading. I was, I was praying the whole time. Just, you know, being like, like, if you're going to speak, if you don't speak to me now, I don't know if I'll ever believe you'll ever speak to anybody through reading your word. Like this is, seems nuts. Right. And then, and then it occurred to me that I was coming at it with this prideful attitude and, 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 um, and realized that, that if I really wanted, if I really wanted the Lord to speak to me, I should come at it with more of a humble attitude. And I ended up, I opened up the door, I got on my knees and I just asked the Lord to humble me. And to speak to me. And the first thing I opened up, it was, um, uh, Joel. Now I kind of want to read it again. It's been so long. The, the, and this is, I, I truly believe this is the first time the Lord ever spoke to me. Um, Joel and, uh, chapter 12, I think. Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, and anyway, that, that verse in Joel, I, I read it and it was about, um, it was about the, the fruit vines withering away, withering away, but, um, um, but he won't ever weather away. And it was, it was like the, the first time the Lord ever spoke to me. I was supposed to preach the next, the next day. That was a Saturday and the next Sunday at this church. And, and the Lord, it just a small, still voice was like, that's what I want you to preach about that verse right there. Joel one twelve, And, and it was just this little thing. And, and I knew that was the Lord speaking to me. And that's all it was. That was it. End of story. <laughs> you know, that was like an hour and 45 minutes plus trying to read the Bible and have the Lord speak to me. And that's all he said preach that tomorrow, you know, but I, I, I just knew it was him. There's something about, it. I knew it was him and, and it wasn't audible at all. It just was this voice, you know, and, and, you know, you need a, you need a, if you want to get through life and you want it to be just a little bit less hard, you're going to have to hear from God. And if you want to do that, you're going to have to read your Bible, but you're going to have to read it prayerfully, carefully, you know, don't just read it cause you're supposed to read it with humbleness. Um, or else the Lord isn't going to speak to you. Right. right? Um, he wants you to come at it with the right attitude. Um, because just reading it doesn't please him. Reading it the right way is what pleases him. And, uh, and I found that out personally, um, to hear from God, you're going to have to have fellowship and prayer. Sorry. I know it's hard praying. I mean, isn't it praying is not easy. (laughs) You praying like you should be praying is, is, is hard. Um, but, but you should have fellowship and prayer and, and be with him. Um, It'll make, it'll make life a little bit easier, right? And you need to shut out the cares of this world. Um, uh, 
the Bible says in James 4, 4, ye adulterers and adulteress, know ye that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy with God. Um, you, you need to, you need to shut out the, the world. You need to just, you need to just shut it out. And, um, and, and life is just going to be so much harder without hearing from him. Um, we need, uh, we need his will done in our life and to have his will done in our life. We need to know what it is, right? <laughs> and, and if you want to know what it is, you're going to have to get it through prayer and Bible reading, you know, sorry. I know, I know that's what everybody says, but they, everyone says it because it's true prayer and Bible reading. You have to do it. You have to do it humbly. And, and, um, you know, don't, don't sit there and complain about how life is so hard, but you're not doing the things that's going to make it easier, right? That's, that's not going to help anything. Um, but ultimately life is going to be harder without faith. And if you, if you realize in, in Hebrews eleven six, the Bible says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You actually can't do any of those things. Be thankful. You can't seek God's direction in your life. Rely on, rely on his hand. You can't make a decision without faith. So, so not only do you need faith to make your life just a little bit easier, but you actually need faith, faith to do any of the things to make your life a little bit easier. Does that make sense? Um, you, you can't do any of those things without faith. Um, the Bible says in Proverbs nineteen eighteen, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Um, a clear vision needs to be focused around knowing God has the best interest in mind so that you align his will to your will um, or align your will to his. Right. Um, as, as Christians, we have to have a we have a clear purpose, a commandment to please Jesus Christ in our life. Um, and uh, and we need to we need to align that alignment we need to we need to put that point that vision in faith towards pleasing him and and just having having faith in that. I know as a lost person, the biggest thing that drove me nuts is that there's nothing to live for in this world lost. Um, you know, when 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 you don't have that ultimate goal of pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ, it, it'll drive a person suicidal. Really, that their that life is pointless because it ultimately ends with death, and then what? Right. And that, that idea will drive someone crazy. So I'm thankful that the Lord has given us a purpose and, and lets us have a vision because where there, no vision is the people perish, right? Um, and we need to have faith, not just, not just faith in, 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 in the vision of, of what he wants to do in his will for our life, but we need to have faith in his timing. And, and, um, again, this is supposed to encourage you. I hope it does, but, but his timing is about the hardest thing, isn't it? Um, in Psalms 27, 14, it says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, um, and he will strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Um, you know, we, we need to have faith, but we need to have faith and, uh, and, and, and confidence, confidence waiting for him. You know, not waiting there like, like this, but, you know, have confidence and know that he's going to do the best for you. Um, so lastly, I just want to say life doesn't even have to be hard at all. It's, it's, it, it is going to be hard. Um, because of, of sin, because of the, the world, the flesh and the devil, because of the challenges and, and service, um, maybe because you're not making a decision, life's going to be hard, but we can navigate this and, and make it easier by being thankful, right? Um, seeing, seeing God's direction in our life, relying on his hand, staying in, in fellowship with God enough through prayer and Bible reading where we can hear him when he wants to talk to us, um, making a decision to follow him and ultimately just having faith in God. Right. And, um, so if I could challenge you at all, I would just ask the question, 
Um, if it even needs asked, has life been hard? Right? And I, I feel like the answer is probably yes. So then the question is, what have you been doing about it? Like, what really, what, what have you been doing about, you know life is hard, you complain probably about how life is hard, but what, what have you done about it? Um, what Have you honestly sake, uh, uh, been seeking God in that hardship these ways by being thankful and, and those things, or is that something you could work on? You know, I would, I would invite you, we'll, we'll pray right now, but I would invite you to, you know, maybe just if you haven't, get it right and, and move on, move on getting it right. Um, so I'll go ahead and, and pray for a minute. We can close our eyes and bow our heads and, and pray, and then I'll let someone take the mic. And, um, you know, I don't know how you guys do an invitation, but, you know, I, this is another thing. I, 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 again, I've said this multiple times. I've only been saved for like five years, but, um, you know, going to an altar or like getting something right in church was always this really funny thing, right? Like, like, man, do I want to do that? Seems whatever. Um, and it took me a long time before I decided to, but, you know, I think God will work, work through that. Um, you know, so if, if, if your heart's convicted in any way at all, just get it right right now. I mean, seriously, you know, get it right. And then, and then don't forget about it this afternoon and move on with it. Um, so we'll pray. I'll give the mic to somebody and, um, we'll go from there. Um, Lord, I, Thankful, God, to be here today and um, be here with your people and pray, God, that you would um, you'd help them. God, help them to uh, be thankful. I pray that you'd help help me with all these things, too, God. I know I've been, you know, I don't know. Life is just hard, God. And but we're just so thankful that you're that you're our God. And we don't have the gods like like they that a bail that couldn't even couldn't even send fire down on an altar. God, you're so much better than that. And we're thankful that we can come to you boldly. And, um, for all the things you did for us, God, especially sending your son, Jesus Christ, uh, to die for us and, and just having mercy and, and showing that to us and putting your words down in a book where we can read it and know what your will is for our life, God. And, um, uh, we're just, we're just thankful, God. And if there's anyone here that's never accepted your son as their personal savior, God, um, pray that they would do that today, God. Um, all these things are really void for him. Life's going to be so much harder and it's going to get even worse after death. Um, the Bible says that death and hell were pat, uh, thrown in the lake of fire and that's a second death. And, and, um, I pray that these people would, would get their salvation figured out and they'd ask somebody about it. They don't know exactly where they're going to go when they die. Um, pray that you'd help, help us to decide to follow you, God, and exercise our faith in these things. In uh, Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.